Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's your daily dose of Donna, and it is March 2nd. We're already on Thursday. I'm feeling good. It's beautifully sunny outside in Los Angeles, and if you know anything about me, you know that that sun is like an instant shot of serotonin. It really does make me happy, so I am welcoming it with open arms. Thank you, Sunny California, for showing us why we're here. Um, it's been a really crazy couple of days. Yesterday, I had zero power. Zero power again in my house. And I was like, how in the hell am I going to record a podcast for Friday, for Thursday? But the power did come on last night. You know, what's funny, this is so typical of like a husband and anyone that's listening. My husband is like a power saver. Like he, he gets off on saving power and electricity. And like he'll be the guy that walks – I don't know if any of you guys can relate to this. But he'll be the guy that walks through the house and is like flipping down all the lights. Like that's his thing. Like it's it, – I'll be in the room and he'll turn off the light. I'll open the fridge to get something and he's closing the fridge. I'm like, but I'm I'm right here. I have to get it again. It's super, super annoying. That being said, um, we are uh, – we, yesterday, we have a Tesla Powerwall. That's the whole point of this. We have a Tesla Powerwall and it gives us extra hours of, of power. And even though the power was out in the neighborhood, we still had power. We had like five hours of power le left. Well, if you watch my Instagram stories, you would see that we were living in the dark. He pulled out all the tea lights, all the little lanterns, all the flashlights. He was like, uh-uh, we're not using the power that we, ha we have because we only have five hours left. But I'm like, we, we're going to lose it anyway. Might as well use it. Use it or lose it. It's like the billionaires that shop at Walmart, right? And here's the thing when I was, um, when I was talking about this is I went to uh, – I went upstairs last night. He was out for drinks, right? My husband was out for drinks. It was like 8.30 and we had already gone the entire night without power. I was like, F this. I'm turning on the TV. So I started watching Real, Real World Las Vegas on Netflix. This is so old. It's phenomenal. It's such a throwback. The production value is awful. The outfits are horrendous. It's so good. Okay. Getting into today's episode, welcome to all the new listeners. I know I've got a bunch of new listeners every single day, and I appreciate you. I'm just going to do a little housekeeping shout out about reviewing and rating. So if you're listening to this and you come with good intentions, you come because you're an actual you know, follower of the show and you like the show, listen up. If you don't like the show, maybe this is the time that you're going to want to hang up and, and or fast forward to another podcast, okay? But if you like the show, listen. Okay, so I have worked really hard on this on these episodes. I've had 38 or 37 episodes so far, and I just hit over 4,000 downloads. 
it sounds like a small amount, but you have to remember, I started this podcast on June, on January 6th. So this is really, really new for me. And it's a big deal for me, right? Like I really, really um, love it. And I'm putting in a lot of energy. So I had all these five-star ratings, feeling really good about it. Everything's great. And then my podcast got really like thrown into a washing machine on the Hollis community Reddit page and was told by someone to come and give me one-star reviews. And here we are. Now I have a 4.5 out of 5 on Apple Podcasts. Bummed out about it. Truly bummed out about it because there's so much more I talk about, even though today's episode is about Rachel Hollis. But there's so much more I talk about and I was so bummed about it. So if you're listening to this and you have not given me given me a rating or a or a five-star a five star rating or a review, please, please, please go ahead and, um, and jump in there and do that for me. I really appreciate you guys. And I'm getting such great reviews. Like today, let's see, from DC Concepts, it's the daily dose of what I need. From Emma, now this is a good one. Emma came to me probably from the Reddit community, and she said, I fully came here to snark on the episode about making content out of someone's loss, but I found it wasn't the cringe-inducing self-help nonsense I expected. I quite enjoyed several of the other episodes after that, and I like the quick format. So I'm getting a bunch of reviews. If you want your review being read, throw it in here and I'll read a review every day, one or two reviews. Okay, we're going to get started. We're going to talk a little bit about Rachel Hollis. She's a very popular topic here. And I'm just going to talk from a place of like in the news, right? In the news. So Rachel Hollis, the reason why so many people found Rachel Hollis was from a book she wrote called Girl, Wash Your Face. This was a self-help book. It was like one of the first books that really transcended all, um, all uh, like generations, I should say. Like there were young teenagers that were reading it. There were 70-year-olds that were reading it. It was very, very well respected. Um, I'm going to give you a like a two-second background about me. I was a fan of Rachel Hollis way before this. So I was watching her stories, her Instagram stories when she was writing the book. She was sitting in her son's room. I remember she was writing over the weekends when her kids were outside playing. She was in the room writing. Like she really, really you know, worked hard to write that book. I had no idea what the book was going to be. I also had no idea it was going to be such a big book. And when it got released, I did pre-order it because I was a big fan of Rachel Hollis. And when it got released, because I pre-ordered it, I got a video message from Rachel and Dave Hollis um, from their bedroom, like this is years and years and years ago, thanking me. We're pre-buying the book. I mean, it was such a small community back then. She believes that she had close to 100,000 followers, which is huge, by the way, on Instagram before the book came out. Now she has 1.5 million followers. And she believes that 99% of her followers came from that book, came from Girl, Wash Your Face. So she released, the reason why I'm bringing this up is she released a podcast episode, two podcast episodes this week, I think one yesterday and one today. And it's basically called Girl, Wash Your Face Five Years Later. And I love this idea because her life could not be more different now than than it was in 2017, 18 when she wrote that book. She was 34 at the time. She was married. She was living in Los Angeles. She didn't yeah, I guess she probably just was like having the baby, um, who's the youngest baby now. Obviously her life, she wasn't as famous. She wasn't a household name. She wasn't walking, you know, through the streets and getting recognized. She was really a smaller um, name. 
And she had a really core community. Like we all knew each other. The fans, like we would show up to her lives at 6 a.m. I know she ended up doing these live shows later on, but we would show up to her lives and there was like 60 of us, 30 of us. Like she knew us by name. That's how small it was when I found her. So she's going back and she's talking about her experience now five years later. And here's the most important takeaways that I got from this. And I'm curious if you guys agree or think anything. So this is her takeaways. The first takeaway is I believe she looks back at the success of the book, obviously grateful for the financial gains and the experiences that it was able to give her and the fact that she doesn't have to worry about paying her rent or her kid's insurance or healthcare or whatever. Those things I think she really enjoys. And I'm taking this for, you know, from her word. It's not like I know. What she did not um, really, you know, like or what she doesn't really feel is like she doesn't look back at that, at this book in like such a fond experience. I actually think she looks back at the whole journey of Girl, Wash Your Face in almost like an anxiety-provoking experience. I don't believe she um, thinks of it in general as like a win. I think there's a part of her that like she even said, like talking about it makes her scared. It gives her like a yucky feeling because she went from kind of a little like small, you know, micro-influencer type of self-help person or like blogger to this massive, huge motivational speaker that every single company was hiring. She was making massive money. And then the worst part she said, and I can understand this, is because she opens up up about some pretty traumatic things in the book, is she was getting like trauma dumped, right? She was going to stores or markets and people would meet her and she would get a traumatic like story being thrown at her. This is when kind of like a lot of stuff was coming out about her that was not very positive in the press, I should say. Like, I'm going to be 100% honest. I really like a lot about Rachel Hollis. I do. I mean, I understand she's problematic. I understand there's stuff she's done wrong. But in general, I find her, I mean, I think a lot of us do. If you're on the Reddit thread, if you are still watching her stories or listening to her podcast, even out of interest, you find something compelling there. You can't really deny that. You may hate her, but you still want to watch her. You still want to hear from her. You still want to know what's going on. And that says a lot. That's like a, that's a big, um, you know, person or characteristic in a person. And so I think we're all very kind of almost intrigued by her still. I met her in person um, back in like, I want to say 2016, 2015, I met her in person in her office. So this is way before Girl, Wash Your Face. And I'm going to be honest, like it was more of like an interview situation. It wasn't the warmest, just being honest. Like I was kind of a little bit like I wasn't shocked that she wasn't who she was online as much, but I was like a little bit like disappointed. I I could have caught her on a bad day. I didn't love the experience as much, but then I sent her an email after and she was very warm and very sweet. And like, it could have just been a moment, right? It could have been a blip in time. We've all had bad moments. We've all been overwhelmed. Okay. That being said. So then she talks about how when the book came out, it was not successful at all. It wasn't successful. And then what happened was the more that the book was out, the more people talked about it. And if you were a fan of the book, I wonder if this is your experience. Hey, Molly Dare. Um, I wonder if this is your experience. Where you would, sorry, I'm live on TikTok too. So like when people say hi, sometimes it's hard for me not to. Um, 
when you would watch, like you would, you would read the book and you would tell a friend and then it would show up in some sort of like community or a book club, or it would be on a Facebook group where people would talk about it on their Instagram. And that's kind of how I remember hearing like, whoa, some of my favorite celebs are reading this book. And I remember, you know, a lot of my girlfriends who had never heard of Rachel Hollis were all of a sudden reading this book. And I was, I was telling everyone and their mother to read the book. I mean, it was really like, it was a book. It was like, I remember listening to the book. I bought the book and listened to the book. I was getting my nails done and I was listening to the book. I remember that very well. Um, but she was saying that, you know, it wasn't an instant success. Even the publishers passed on it. She ended up getting published with a Christian company, a Christian publisher. And so it became a very kind of Christian book at first. And then people like Candace Cameron Burr, who was, a, I mean, she's my doppelganger, DJ Tanner from Full House, got her hands on the book because it was a Christian book and, and like talked it up to her fans. And all of a sudden, Rachel Hollis found herself like with 500,000 new people or 250,000 new people coming from Candace Cameron. And so what she was saying was like, you know, where you're always told that you need to have more fans, more followers, more email subscribers, more, more, more. But the truth is you really don't want the wrong ones. And I think what happened was in this experience of being a Christian book, being on the Christian shelves, Christian publisher, Candace Cameron Burr, she was all of a sudden really pigeonholed in this Christian community. And her fans were expecting her to be this like perfect Christian. And I don't think Rachel Hollis ever was. And is, right? Like, I just feel in my gut that she, well, that's not, I feel, she talks about this. Like, she is not your typical Christian in terms of her beliefs. She believes in gay marriage. She's open. She's liberal in in many ways. And um, that was a big part of it too, is that she really did not want to release this book without having a chapter in it about gay marriage, about her best friends who are gay. And she fought that back and forth with the publishers. Okay. That being said, the book explodes all of a sudden. And now, you know, weeks after she debuts, she's on the New York Times bestseller list. And I remember seeing this live. Her husband, I think, called her. She popped open a bottle of champagne. It was like a big deal. And very cool, actually, to watch. But this book remained at the New York Times bestseller for a long ass time. And then what happened was she became this household name. And so she was at the market. She wasn't yet like that famous or she didn't believe that she was. And she went to the market and she saw a canned wine and she took a picture of like, can't wait to drink this this weekend or God knows what it was. I remember this kind of, I remember like seeing it and that was normal content for her. She always talked about cocktails. She always talked about things like that. And people just lost their ish. They just like could not believe that a Christian woman was talking about drinking alcohol. Same for like, you know, her beliefs on sex and um, sex outside of your marriage. Like she had to be really, really, and I think a lot of it was actually who she was at the time, right? She was younger. She wasn't, she was more of a strong Christian at the time. She wasn't divorced yet. Anyway, that being said, she all of a sudden was a people pleaser. She's always been a people pleaser. And she was finding herself in situations where she couldn't be rude to fans, but she had no choice sometimes to be rude to fans because she was human. And I remember reading a lot of things back then in those days about like, oh my God, Rachel Hollis was seen at a um, at a bar uh, doing a signing and she was mean to people and she didn't stay in sign. And I've heard many actually negative things about her, like from producers. Um, I've heard from people that have worked on shows like from like the Quibi show, um, that, you know, I don't think she's like, and maybe things have changed now. I think when she was in the height of her fame, I don't think she was like warm and sweet fuzzy. I think she was like 
a hustle, you know, I got to get my shit done kind of girl. In general, I would think, you know, when she looks back, I think the most important takeaway is that she's so much happier now. And remember, she wrote, sorry, recorded this episode before her ex-husband has passed. So she recorded this probably in January or maybe the end of last year. But she explains that she's so much happier now. She's happier that she can hang on a Friday. She doesn't have to travel all the time. She can have happy hours with her kids and grill. She's home when they come home from school. She's doing the podcast in her sweats. Um, She really, I think, is the prime example of someone that wants it all. She wanted her name in lights. She wanted it to be a household name. She wanted to be a New York Times bestseller. She wanted to be famous. She wanted to be rich. She wanted all these things and then got it. And I don't believe she thinks or thought that any of it was what equated to real happiness. And it's a good lesson for anyone out there, myself included, that is always seeking to, you know, do more, get more, grow more, that at the end of the day, what is it really actually for? Hey, I rhymed. Grow more, what for? Because you never know who is going to kind of come into your environment as you grow. And I've seen it firsthand with this podcast. I've grown really well, really fast. And so there's a lot of new people in my atmosphere. And when that happens, you know, you can definitely get, um, you can get like the, the negative side of that too. So just be happy within and the right people will come and Take it one day at a time. Like, I do not wish for instant fame like her. That must have been very hard. But anyway, regardless, what are your thoughts on this on this podcast? Did you listen to it? Did you read, read Girl, Wash Your Face? If you didn't, I'm curious, will you or are you over it? I actually think you don't need to. There's so much content out there and it's five years old. You could probably find something a little bit more new. Um, thank you so much for the reviews and the ratings. I really do appreciate it. If you like this episode, shoot me a DM. I am such a fan of getting DMs from you. I've gotten so many new DMs from you guys this week. Um, And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.